Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Gary Dickman here with Tanner Hayworth. Chris is on vacation this week. Uh, still raining out there. I thought that would go away, but that hasn't happened. And hopefully you'll be safe driving in today. We'll get you caught up with traffic a little bit later. We've got tickets to give away a little bit later. We've got some great guests lined up today. Matthew Cotton, University of Hawaii basketball player, transfer from Yale. He will join us about 7.35 this morning. And then in the 8 o'clock hour, Jeff Jones, you heard Bobby Curran talking about him a few minutes ago, uh, the coach for Old Dominion. They are here for the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic presented by the Hawaiian Islands. He will join us a little bit later in the show as well. Uh, we've got a lot to get into on a very important day. Let's talk about a few stories first before we get to the main thing, as I, Freddie Coleman will talk about a lot on his show after us. Uh, the Iolani Classic continues with day two. Now, I haven't been able to go out there uh, hosting a team. I've got a little bit of an excuse, and I, I'm envious of everybody that goes out there, like the former president. But there are some great games. In fact, I know the TCU coaches who I'm hosting, they are going out there today. And uh, all mainland schools winning yesterday, Tanner, and rather decisively in basically every game in that tournament. I'm not sure if you uh, saw the details or any of the action. I just saw the scores and read up on them. But uh, DeMatha High School, again, a really famous high school from the East Coast in the Washington D.C. area. They had no problem yesterday with an 80-43 to win, and that was over Mililani last night. Yeah, so I mean, there were probably two highlights from that game. One was uh, Malcolm Thomas's absolute, like, tomahawk jam that he had. Read about that. And the other highlight would have been Dylan Gabriel showing up at the game uh, to show support for Mililani, and it looks like they needed about... Uh, 38 more helpings of Dylan Gabriel, at least, to get a couple of those points in that 80-43 to 43, uh, loss. He played basketball, I believe, there. And his father, Garrett, is the basketball coach there. Right. I'm not sure if everybody is aware of that. Yet, uh, two big celebrities, two nights in a row, President Barack Obama and Dylan Gabriel. And I think Dylan Gabriel probably makes more money this year than the former president. Wouldn't that be fair to say? I think that's, that I think that's fair in to a say. Way. Yeah, he, sorry, sorry, Barack. Uh, no Dylan's NIL got for the press. <laughs> that's kind of a, a, a crazy when you think about that. Uh, well, I don't think the president's supposed to be making, you know, such an exorbitant amount of and money. And even when he was president, I don't know how much he gets in severance or whatever they would call it. <laughs> uh, but even as president, he uh, is the most important man, man in the world, a lot of people say, whoever the president is. Uh, you got a football quarterback in college making more than him. That's kind of cool. And Dylan's probably not even the richest uh, college no, quarterback. No, no. 
It says a lot, though, about the NILs and everything else. <laughs> but, yeah, and then everybody else on the Hawaii side, unfortunately, did not uh, get any victories no. yesterday in the championship bracket, in the winner's bracket, I guess you would say. Uh, unfortunately, Moana Lua lost. We saw yesterday to Vashon from uh, Missouri, I believe, and that was 91-30. to 30. Uh, A couple of decisive scores there. Yeah, I mean, other scores, the Masters Academy from Florida over Kaimuki, 89-43, to 43, and uh, Oak Ridge uh, over Mid-Pacific. I was about to read the score, and then the uh, website just went, uh, went all kaput it on It might be there. a good thing, but I'll give you the score, and I'll, you know, hold on to your steering wheel <laughs> if you're driving. Mid-Pac is like, oh, man, man, thank God that he couldn't say the score. Yeah, unfortunately, I will. <laughs> it is 107-35. to 35. Woo! That, uh... Yeah, that's a seventy-two point win. That's inc- I mean, we and again, it's not a knock against the Hawaii school because no. we know how strong these a are. Lot just, of these these are just are. really good mainland schools. Yeah, and I think that's fair to say. And you know, Iolani, you know, congratulations on making it on the champions bracket. Look at St. John uh, Bosco today, I believe. Yeah, a, a nice small little task for the Raiders of Iolani. But even at the Hawaii schools, and it doesn't happen that often, but some of the Hawaii schools will get into the quarters and semis. Iolani usually does after you know getting that. Easier path, at least in the first round, but you get to see these mainland schools playing each other in this great competition. So that's ahead of leading up to the championship on Friday. We will have a double header on CBS 1500 for the Iolani Classic a little bit later today. Well, speaking of basketball, another story I know I am following before we get to the big story is the uh, University of Hawaii and seven other schools getting ready for the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic, and that starts tomorrow. After the brackets come out, I think late July, early August, after all of that, we got finally basketball in 24 hours. Yeah, it's definitely something to be very excited for. Probably one of the, I was going to say, one of the better uh, basketball tournaments here in the state of Hawaii. But I'm like, okay, wait, how many are there this year? We had three last year. Now there's one. Well, not including the ones that HPU um, also help attend and all that stuff. But still, regardless... You know, a great field. I think it's going to be, you know, once you get past the first round, then it's going to be very exciting. But not to say that we can't look past uh, Portland. And they're a pretty solid school themselves. You know, we got to hear from a lot of their coaches last night at the Coaches versus Cancer event, you know, hosted by Bobby Curran. And he basically talked to every single head coach except for Damon Stoudemire, uh, who is uh, coaching uh, George, is it Georgia, Georgia Tech? Tech now. Yeah, and he yeah. said, you know, he's feeling a little bit under the weather, so he sent an assistant down. Uh, so... Would have been exciting to hear from Damon a little bit, but very excited, very good batch of coaches, and honestly, nothing more to say. I'm ready for it to be Thursday already. Yeah, I I can't wait. I always love this tournament, and four games a day. I'm not sure how many I will be at in person, at least two every day, because that's obviously doing the Hawaii games, which they will play at 6 p.m. It'll probably start about 6.20 tomorrow, because the first game starts at 4. Real quick on that, they have to give teams at least 20 minutes to warm up. They list these games two hours apart for TV reasons, which still doesn't really explain it to me. So the games are scheduled for the afternoon session, 4 and 6, UMass and Georgia Tech at 4, Hawaii and Portland at 6, but it won't start 
unless the game ends really early or earlier than two hours, which very rarely happens, uh, they'll start about 6.20. But we'll keep you up to date on that part and uh, a lot of basketball coming up. And TCU, the team I'm hosting, really excited about their uh, team looking at them yesterday. They've got a, a, a famous player's name who's the son of former St. Joe's and NBA guard Jameer Nelson. Jameer Nelson Jr. is on their team. And uh, fun watching him. He's a senior now, averaging double digits as well. Well, we'll look forward to that and we'll talk more basketball again jeff jones from old dominion will join us next hour and then as i said the big story and for you know for me like the nba draft i love it love it love it love it pay total attention to every single player every rumor all that i love a lot of different sporting events for tanner it's kind of the same as me for the nba draft although this is not the nfl draft it's signing day and it's kind of like the draft and it's the next best thing what is the latest, Tanner? So, from what we've heard from a lot of uh, a lot of fun tweets last night, uh, first uh, started by Steven Size. Uh, first commit will be coming at 10 p.m. on Tuesday from Spain, and everyone's like, "Oh, who's this mysterious Spanish uh, recruit we're getting?" Turns out, it is a verbal commit that we've known for a very long time. He just happened to be in Spain. Uh, that is Tui Muti of Ponoho, the interior offensive lineman. He was the official first official signee for the 2024 class for the University of Hawaii football team. Okay, now I, I'm interested in these kind of things. You said it was Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Because, because it was, it was in, Spain. in Spain. But doesn't it have, I thought it would have to come here at, what, 9, 10 a.m. East Coast time. Is that how it works? I, I guess. Okay. Either way, he signed. <laughs> Either way, he signed, and he was the first one. Uh, we've been slowly getting more and more official signees as this morning has been going on since 6 a.m. Uh, so we don't know everyone, but from what I heard from a couple of people from the team, I think Savannah Ryer, the uh, director of recruiting, tweeted this also last night that they're expecting 15 yeah. people to sign. And with that, there's a lot of people that are, you know, you know, Maybe speculating a lot the last couple of weeks on whether or not Micah Alejada will sign. But if you look at the number 15 and the number of verbal commits that we've gotten so far, 15 seems to add up. So it feels good. We won't know probably for another couple of minutes because in Las Vegas it is just about 9 a.m. now when Bishop Gorman is doing their official signing. So maybe in the next couple of minutes, maybe the next couple of hours, we'll officially find out whether or not we have landed uh, number 12. Uh, uh, Up till 9 a.m. for our time. Hopefully we'll hear about it before we wrap it up. Yeah, I'd like to hear before we wrap up. And you'll just feel more confident, not just you, but me when I say you, I mean more specifically Timmy Chang and the staff. But I mean, it seems like it's a done deal finally if not earlier from everything we've heard the back and forth but it, you feel a lot better once he's signed sealed and delivered and one of the things you know you mentioned this yesterday as well and I was thinking about it after the show uh, we, we can't overstate it enough but being eight for eight yesterday uh, that's what the number was and hopefully 15 today is really saying something about this program the state and everything involved because you had a losing season. I don't like saying that, but it's not like these guys that are signing and coming to a winning program necessarily yet. Hopefully they will turn that around or help turn that around. you got the stadium concerns. you got everything there, and you're still signing eight out of eight. And I saw the story that Stephen signed. In Sy- December. In in December. Of, the, of yeah. the eight official visits. Yeah, so, That's where the eight of eight So eight from. for eight there is really saying a whole lot. And I read uh, Stephen Sy's article yesterday where I think it was Christian Vaughn actually flew to Las Vegas to meet Timmy Chang and Chris Brown last weekend. 
to make sure he was still, you know, uh, available for scholarships, for a, a scholarship from the University of Hawaii. But that says a lot about him that he visited on his own uh, and made sure he was waiting in the hotel lobby when they were leaving, uh, go, ready to fly to L.A., according to Stevens' article. So that says a lot when you're getting some big-time players. And we'll see how it pans out. And one of the things I always say about, especially basketball and football, because I follow those closer than other sports, for the, for the signing day is that every player that signs today, tomorrow, Friday, and in February is going to be considered a really good player. You don't get a player that uh, he might make it. Oh, he's okay. Every player on paper today is going to be really good. Not all of them work out. But also, and I say that because I think it's just something that's out there and it's kind of obvious, but you also do have talented players that are coming in and big-time guys that can hopefully make a difference. And for the University of Hawaii football team, the way they finished, I think shows a lot of promise. And that might be another reason why maybe some of these guys are signing because this team was headed who are heading in the right direction, I feel. And then let's not forget, last year in early signing day, we signed 26 people. So even when we had a worse record, we still had some kind of pull last year to show that, hey, this program is going in the right direction. And sure, we're not signing 29 people probably this class because, hey, we don't got really a lot of scholarships to give out. Yeah, we only had about out. 15 or 16 yeah, on senior So night. I would say don't expect probably – 15 more people to sign next month or in the next month and a half but i think we should expect a lot of quality over quantity type of players and what i mean that is i think there is a lot of hype you know deservedly so around michael alejado the now two-time uh, nevada player of the year uh two years in a row now but i probably if i had to put a finger on a freshman uh coming in that's gonna be a big game changer a guy that over the next couple of years I think that's going to be very good. I think I'm going to have to be looking at Alvin Puefua, the uh, uh, the uh, defensive lineman from Utah, six four, six three, like three something. He's a big guy, and I'm excited to watch him develop because if there's one thing, if there's two things I really want to focus on, it's both sides of the trenches for this Hawaii offensive line. They signed four offensive linemen expectedly and a lot of edge rushers from the state of Hawaii, including this pretty interesting prospect in Alvin Poifua, who he's a big kid. And I think that's something we have to focus on because the last couple of years for the Hawaii defense, it's really been kind of the uh, rushing offenses that have been able to kind of, you know, really do away with us from yeah. time to time. So having a much. big guy like that in the middle of the defensive line makes me feel really good. Yeah, and again, I, I just think that they're getting size. They're getting in this position that we know they needed, being line offensively, I mean, offense and defense line. Uh, so they hope you're taking care of some needs there. I think one of the questions, though, and it might not be determined today, is about Braden Shaker. Now, again, with Ali Hado, we're pretty confident he's going to come here. We, we, we feel good about that. But, and um, maybe he has better... Uh, new better information as far as is Shaker coming back but I think that's one of the questions as far as looking at this team next year that's not going to be a big deal today necessarily but we heard those rumors last week but Ali Hado we know is here and as a texter told us yesterday and feel free to call her at text at 808-296-1420 is that there are other quarterbacks on this roster too right. that could be a difference maker that could be uh, competitive competing for a starting job even though right now it looks like Ali Hado would or could be the front runner I'll ask you this right now. Let's say Brayden Shaker doesn't come back. 
Are, do you have any confidence with anybody on this roster today that could be a starting quarterback over Micah, Micah Alejado? Because I still loved in high school John Kiali Sacapolatelli. I think the first guy that you'd have to focus on would be Jake Farrell because he was operating as their backup quarterback all yes. of last year. And sure, I don't think he really got a fair shot at the uh, at. At really a lot of snaps last year. Uh, I think his only snaps were that 35 to nothing loss. One game, I believe. Yeah, yeah. so I think, if anything, Jake Farrell would kind of be that incumbent guy, if that makes sense. But that only marks three quarterbacks on the roster. There's a lot of names that we won't know for the next couple of weeks that we'll be either walking on or transferring in. And it's something that I think Timmy Chang needs to do. Um, think about a guy that we had never heard of. He, I don't think there was really any kind of, oh, we signed this guy, let's get excited. And he was a huge, huge part of a lot of our game plans was Dalen Morris. Sure. Right. So we, you never know when a walk-on can come out of nowhere, especially, you know, we should know that here yeah. at the University of Hawaii. A lot of walk-ons can make a big difference. So that's something that we have to focus on as the next coming months is maybe not necessarily a lot of the guys that are on the roster right now probably might be starters this time, you know, coming into next year. So it's kind of the fun to see these uh, guys emerge, so to speak. And we we're hoping to have Timmy Chang on to talk about these recruits. Uh, we're looking for Friday now. We'll confirm that by tomorrow, if not today. Let's take a quick break. Uh, we're going to come back. And speaking of football, a little bit later, we'll have a couple of tickets for the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. Coastal Carolina here versus San Jose State. That and more ahead with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Gary Dickman, Tanner Hayworth, Liz Stacy, all here in our Paxa studios in downtown Honolulu. If you'd like to give us a uh, call or text, you know the number, 808-296-1420. We will give some tickets out for the Easy Post Hawaii Ball next hour. Stay tuned for that. Matthew Cotton for the University of Hawaii men's basketball team will join us in about 13 minutes from now. And we're, we're keeping tabs, uh, more specifically, Tanner is keeping tabs on signing day. And, I mean, we talked about one of the bigger flips in the country yesterday, and that was Dylan Riola uh, going back on his verbal commit to Georgia to say he's going to Nebraska. And that happens rather frequently, not maybe with the big names like that. What we're hoping for the University of Hawaii is that there's none on that end for us as far as the verbal commits they got. You want to get them signed, sealed, and delivered, as we said. And then I also did want to mention, uh, with Dylan Raiola flipping to Nebraska, Nebraska also flipped a four-star wide receiver from Texas. So Nebraska wow. was kind of on, like, the great heist yesterday and today. So I think that's – and I did – you know, talk with a lot of people afterwards after my bold statement of saying that I see Nebraska being at the top of the Big Ten quicker than USC ever will. And, you know, I had a lot of good talks afterwards <laughs> about that. I'll and, bet. like, I think that's just me, you know. I'll say this. I'm kind of a USC hater. Me too. And I think that's fair to say, you know, kind of being a group of five program, uh, watching USC for a very long time and just being like, man, these guys just get everything, don't they? I, but the UC, I mean, I don't love UCLA. I like them in basketball. I used to love them in basketball. By the way, UCLA basketball last night lost to CSUN. Yeah, I saw that. How the, the heck and, did that Okay, happen? wait. And also, and then I think it was UC Davis that lost to uh, Montana yesterday too. Yeah. So the Big West is... Uh, 
already very drunk. And I believe it was Riverside that lost to UCLA by two with a layup with 3.2 seconds left a few weeks ago. So right. And we saw UCLA here for the Maui <laughs> Invitational. They weren't great or ranked, but they were right outside the top 25. But that was surprising. I want to address something uh, going back to football signing day. So I heard Bobby bring it up yesterday, had Sterling Carvalho on. And I thought about it. And what he was the t- main p- part of one of the p- topics in the conversation was when you have all these players transferring and you get quarterbacks going to Notre Dame every year from the ACC for that one or two year stretch or stint, he was thinking that because of the transfer portal and the NIL money that co- teams are looking at transfer fixes more than a high school player. And I understand that part, but to me, I'm going to go the other way with that. I don't think that is making a difference because if a guy leaves, let's say you got Ohio State's quarterback who just went to Syracuse. Okay, well, they got a quick fix. They got a guy in the transfer portal. But now there's going to be an opening at Ohio State. There's still the same amount of scholarship. You're not adding players to any of these rosters. So when everybody's moving back and forth, going through the transfer portal, and in bigger numbers than we've seen, especially starting quarterbacks that we've seen, and other positions, of course, as well, but you still have the same amount of scholarships available. You still have the same amount of roster spots. It's just that one team is going after the quick fix with a transfer, but the team that loses that quarterback is going to maybe go after a high school guy. Even if they don't and they go for the transfer portal, some of, there's still going to be that scholarship available somewhere else. Okay, so I'm going to go with your uh, with your scenario, right? So let's say, was it, you say that Ohio State, you know, quarterback either transfers or graduates, right? So they take the next best quarterback out of the transfer portal. And that guy comes from Syracuse, let's say, right? Yeah. So now Syracuse is like, oh man, you know, we were basically a bowl team last year. If we, you know, keep it good, then maybe we could win the ACC. We need a transfer quarterback with some experience. And then they take a transfer quarterback from somewhere else. And then that place is like, oh, we were doing very well until our transfer quarterback, you know, transferred away. We need to get a transfer quarterback because we were doing so well. And then they look to the transfer portal again to look for experience. And the issue is that a lot of these bigger schools are probably more focused on that short term we got to win now rather yeah, yeah. than those long two star three star projects and i think that's fair to say and when you look at a state like hawaii that's when it becomes something difficult because usually in our top 10 that's mostly three stars yeah, it, we're yeah, going to have yeah. like maybe two maybe three four star recruits but after that then it that's when it starts to become a struggle after you get past that top 10 because sure every single year you can look down that top 10 list of uh, player rankings. I just go by 24-7 usually because they're pretty good right. in terms of recruiting stuff. And, yeah, they're all going to Power 5 schools. Some of them are going to top-tier group of five schools and some are staying home. It's when you get to that 11 through 25 is when you worry about it. And I think that's something that I wanted to look into and research on, but time had evaded me at one point. But when you look at like last year's 11 through 25, I think like 11 through 17 all went to like at least group of five schools, at least Hawaii, at least Mountain West schools, and maybe a few Arizonas here and there. But then once you got past that, you see three star guys with an N.A., you see a guy like a guy who was, you know, rated as a three-star Kikahi Graham. He's a little smaller, run-and-shoot style quarterback. He's out there playing Juco. Um, you see a lot of other guys playing Juco. I think there's another um, kind of bigger guy from IA, like 
he's playing at New Mexico Military Institute and he was kind of a higher ranking. I think it's a lot harder for sure to say that in these times, it's harder for a lot of these guys who are kind of middling but maybe have some potential to immediately go into a college. And the issue that, is the immediate. Okay, that that makes more that makes a lot of sense in that aspect because they right. might not play as a freshman because of the guy getting the team getting a transfer guy who's already experienced. But I think as far as the scholarship, that's a great way of looking at it. The way you put uh, had that perspective is you're still going to have the same amount of scholarships available. It's right. Not, it's not, I don't think it'll hurt anybody in that aspect because you're still going to sign. It might not be with the same school, and maybe some of these guys that could have gone to a Power Five are not going to maybe. Or have Group settle. Of five. But, but again, with the way your scenario is, which again makes sense, instead of maybe going to a power five because they're going more with transfers, they might have to go to a group of five instead. Right. But a lot of group of five schools are doing the same thing and looking through the transfer portal and getting players through there. I look at a story of a guy like Christian Vaughn, one of our uh, verbal commits right. from Butte. And he was talking about his experience, you know, starting out at Butte. And this is a quote from, I think KHON got this, where he's like, just four years ago, I was just working at Target because of COVID. Everything was shut down. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And going through the Juco route and everything, it's very, very hard. You have to really grind. Again, this is the thing, you know, not removing from COVID because obviously everything was different then. Yes. When kids have to go through Juco, Juco is a very, very different, like, atmosphere when it comes to, like, football. Uh, you'll always hear it that you always want to get Juco kids because you know that they'll have a chip on their shoulder. You know that they're grinders. You know they'll yeah. work very hard because they have to work that hard to even get a look at maybe, like, a group of five school. Because think about a lot of there are good, re- are really good Juco guys like a Sauce Williams. I'd have to research into what his other offers were, but just – Thinking about it, I don't think he had many other offers other than us and maybe like Utah State and maybe like another school. And that's like three schools out of 133 FBS teams. We're not even talking about FCS teams who also have scholarships that they can give away. You think of the North Dakota States, the Montanas, the Montana States, the Cal, uh, the Cal Polys, the Sacramento States. So there are a lot of opportunities to at least get a scholarship. So that you can go and right. get some education. Whereas, so that's the main issue is that there's not that real immediacy. There's not that real like when you think of like an FCS or an FBS kind of – I won't say like the easy route. But it's certainly easier to say that JUCO is definitely a much harder route for some guys who may not necessarily be all the way in. Sure. Make, make and just looking for there. a way to get an education because a lot of guys – probably aren't all looking to play in the NFL. You probably want to, but probably getting an education is a priority for a lot of people and their families. They see the big picture for sure. We'll keep talking uh, signing day and recruiting because we're hoping to hear some names before we wrap it up. The University of Hawaii normally will issue a release later on this afternoon once they get all their commits signed, sealed, and delivered at least for today. They also do have a thing on their website that updates very regularly on their official signings. At HawaiiAthletics.com? At HawaiiAthletics.com. Okay, that's cool. That's good to know as well. Uh, We're going to talk some UH basketball in a few minutes. Matthew Cotton will be joining us. But getting back to football for a second, you could win a $1,000 cash grand prize and a $100 weekly prize in ESPN Honolulu's Pigskin Picks. It is brought to you by M. Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. All you got to do is visit ESPNHonolulu.com right now to register. It is absolutely free, and one of you can win all that cash. Back with Matthew Cotton with the Animals on ESPN Honolulu. 
It is Christmas time, and that means a lot of things, including the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic, which starts tomorrow. So we're going to get into that right now. Gary Dickman here with Tanner Hayworth, and we are joined now by the University of Hawaii. A new player coming over from Yale, one of the starting guards, wing players. Matthew Cotton is on the show. Hi, Matthew. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, uh, uh, how are you guys? Good morning. We're doing well, and the team is doing well. And I'm not sure if you were on X, formerly known as Twitter, but if you go to at Sports Animals, the name of our show, for today's uh, tweet about our guest, I have a really great picture, I feel, of you hitting one of those two three-pointers in the first half on Sunday. And I must acknowledge, I took the picture, and it's one of the few that came out pretty good. But if you want to <laughs> check it out, it got you about, looks like about 15 inches off the ground, perfect form and everything, going for that three. So I want to ask you first of all, about those three-pointers, because the other three-pointer in the first half is what I used to call growing up a phony bank shot. You took it from the far corner in front of the Nevada bench, and somehow you managed to bank it in. Is that what you were planning? Um, I, I really I really wish I could say I, I meant to bank that shot in, but, I mean, I caught the ball. I just kind of rose up for it, and, it, yeah, it didn't feel quite perfect coming off my finger, but I was just glad to see it go through the rim. Um and yeah, I mean, it, it was. I feel like it was. It was a kind of needed shot just early in the game. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely felt good for the ball to go through the hoop. Well, there's no shame in that, Matthew. Most of my most of my three pointers are phony bankins. So. <laughs> There's, there's no shame in that, I think. <laughs> We've all had that happen. Hey, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about that game, and then we'll move ahead to the Diamond Head, of course. I thought that was, first of all, a really exciting, intense college basketball game. Of course, it didn't end the way any of us wanted it to end, but that was a well-played game for the most part by both teams, and Nevada is a really good team. In the first half, I already talked about your 2-3. You also had that tremendous dunk in the first half. What was your mindset going into this game? Because we've seen you do that before, but you were really aggressive, especially on the offensive end in that first half. Um, yeah, I mean, just going into the game, just being ready. Of course, we we knew Nevada was a good team, and um, we we had been like preparing the uh, week before a lot. So coming out with a with an aggressive mindset was really where our mind was at, and um, and yeah, just to honestly, just put them on, put it on them, don't play on our heels, and and be the aggressor. So. That's kind of where our, like our whole team was um, coming into the game and throughout the game. So, um, yeah. That was the first game, really, that went down to the wire. I mean, the only loss before Sunday was a Utah game, and unfortunately it wasn't down to the wire. And you guys gave them a, a lot, uh, more than, much more than they probably thought they were going to get from your team. And, again, they're a very good team in NCAA tournament type. But Sunday's game was one of those games, again, that could have gone either way. When you look back, especially in the last five minutes of that second half on Sunday, what is your response or reaction to how you guys maybe could have won a face in a similar situation another time? Um, I think it was just one of those things where we needed to pay attention uh, to detail a little bit, a little bit more. Um, and then I feel like in the beginning of the of, of the second half is what kind of hurt us. We picked up maybe six fouls in the first four minutes, and we didn't really and we didn't score the ball at all. And uh, and it was the first half I think all season where we didn't hit a three. So, um, yeah, just paying more attention to deep, uh, detail on defense, and then making sure we get the best possession every time down is really where our focus was and, and not turning the ball over. 
University of Hawaii basketball player Matthew Cotton joining us here on ESPN Honolulu, getting ready for the Diamond Head Classic tomorrow. Uh, I, again, I thought on Sunday it was, it was a really exciting, intense game against a team like Nevada. Do you look back on the season so far? Right now the team is 7-2, and two, and when you look at your overall play and your role with the team, what is your reaction to that or response to that? Um. It's been it's been awesome so far. I mean, being on a new team, it's my yeah, it's my, it's my first time transferring, so um, it's been something to definitely get used to. But my teammates, the coaches, are so accepting and, and very helpful. Um, have been throughout the season and have been always uh, instilling confidence in me to, to play my game and um, yeah, to, to play my game. So it's been a great experience so far, and I'm con- and I'm looking forward to, like, to uh, continuing to get better and. Um, yeah, for our team to keep playing. We've mentioned several times since you signed here and, of course, started playing that you played at Yale. Uh, you weren't with the team when they came here last year for the opening part of the season, but what drew you to the University of Hawaii? Um, I actually was. Like, when we played um, in the Rainbow Classic Yale, I was actually here with Yale. So, um, But you, didn't, you was, weren't able to play? I, yeah, I was, I, I, was, I was able to play, but I traveled with the team. So I was I was very much able to experience Hawaii, the uh, Stan Sheriff Center. Um, so I mean I, I absolutely loved it, and and uh, Coach Kanaka, Coach Montgomery, they started recruiting me then. So it was it was something that I knew the atmosphere and the kind of energy that Hawaii has about its basketball uh, program. So um, it was something I definitely wanted to be a part of. And you know, coming from Gale, if you ever do make a mistake. Do you ever get ribbed on it, ribbed on by it? You know, with players be like, if you make a mistake, like, oh, Yale over here made a mistake. Do you ever get any of that? <laughs> um, sometimes, <laughs> yeah, I must say sometimes. But after after a few of those mistakes, it's, it's something. Yeah, people are. Everyone makes mistakes, so you can't really think about it too much. <laughs> You are getting ready for the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic, as we've mentioned, presented by the Hawaiian Islands. I'm yep. sure you've seen it in the past, but what are you looking forward to the most besides three games in four days? Um, I think just the atmosphere of it and, and being able to compete in, in that atmosphere. Um, as, I, as I saw on TV last year, um, there was the crowd was very, very lively. And, of course, coming off winning the championship for the first time, uh, first time last year, um, our team is, is very focused on trying to win it back-to-back. So um, being able to compete and play in front of our fans for the community um, is is a great experience for us. What has been the focus in practice this week? Um, same thing I would say pretty much is being disciplined. We're coming off, our, coming off a loss, so I'm making sure that we're just having our best effort every day in and day out. will put, put us in the best position to win games. So, um, of course, Scout-wise, working on some different actions, but um, I would say our, our our mindset is just, yeah, staying focused, staying disciplined, and make sure we're giving our best effort every time out. Now, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you are from South Jersey, right? Yeah. Okay, in fact, my mother and sister live in Cherry Hill, so not too far from you, I know. So you're... Oh, yeah, that's the yeah, that's that's town right next to me. I'm from Voorhees. Voorhees, right, right. I know I know that area pretty well. I go back every year to visit there as well. And I know how the winters can be there, and you're usually probably back there uh, playing uh, for Yale. Christmas time's always really cold. What are you expecting to do this Christmas when hopefully it'll be 75, 80 degrees? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um. I have no clue. My my parents went out onto one of like the um like cruise 
like the sailing, like kind of cruise thing yesterday. So um, those are available on Christmas Day. I would I would love to do that with them. They're out here actually. So um, maybe that and definitely, definitely going to go to the beach a little bit. Yeah, and hopefully you'll be wearing those uh, championship hats for the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic that you can win on Christmas Eve. Be an early Christmas present. Well, we are thrilled to have you on our show. We're thrilled to have you on the University of Hawaii basketball team. A great start so far at 7-2, and two, and hopefully three more wins this week. Matthew, thanks again for joining us. We'll see you out at the arena this week. Yeah, th- thank you so much for having me. Have, have a good one. All right, you too. Appreciate that. Matthew Cotton, formerly of Yale, now with the University of Hawaii, one of the starting guards. I guess you could call him a, uh, a wing player, maybe more specifically. Had a great game uh, on su- on Sunday, especially in that first half, and he joins us now. On the, uh, join, had joined us on ESPN Honolulu. Really excited for what this team can hopefully accomplish this week. Yeah, not only a couple of three-pointers, he had that really nice backdoor cut as well. So Yeah, he had a really good game. So, like, that's the thing with Matthew Cotton is we've seen, I think, this game and I think the game against UT Rio Grande Valley where he had two really good games. I think that's what makes people like us very excited about Matthew Cotton that probably not a lot of fans are very familiar with this game just because, you know, not a lot of home games where he's, you know, played like super, right. super duper well. but. Having a game like that against Nevada is definitely a nice little hors d'oeuvre for the amazing entree that we're getting starting tomorrow in the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond, Diamond yeah, Head Classic. The Rio Grande game, you had a great game. I think 19 in the first half, and I, we know that was a road game or neutral site game, and um, hopefully we can get some big things from him. He's a good player, and he can play good defense. It doesn't really hurt the team. He got in foul trouble in the HPU game like a couple of other players, but it's not where you know he's taking a lot of shots. He, just, he doesn't take a lot, which is one of the reasons he he doesn't score, but when he has, he's gotten into that little bit of a zone, you might say. That it's a phony bank shot. That's what we used to always call that. If you, well, if you're not familiar with what I mean by that, uh, if you take a bank shot where you're looking from the baseline, a corner three, a, a corner, a three. corner three. Yes, thank you. And there's no angle to bank it. And somehow it banks in, which really seems to be physically impossible. I've done it before, just in pickup games here and there. But every I now do and then it. you'll see it in the game. I do it all the time. <laughs> Not by design. It helps me. It helps me a lot. Is that I, by design? I, uh, I have a terrible shooting form that I have to get better. Okay. <laughs> uh, again, but he's seen him do that in the game. And I was with Cole Malsoff watching that. And we were like, did he call bank on that? And I doubt if he did, like he, we, he said to us a few minutes ago. Also, but- I do want to say... It's not a Starbucks. It's Rio Grande Valley. Is it Rio Grande? Yeah, Rio Grande. Ah. Just so you know now. And I'm also, you know, just making sure, you know, with Chris on vacation, I'm trying to make sure that I get at least one <laughs> little you. jab in. Feeling like just it's a so, normal just day. Just so you're not, like, you know, not used to it when he comes back. I don't want to go through withdrawals or anything like <laughs> yeah, that. Thank yeah, you, thank I'm, you for I'm keeping everything you. fresh. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Feel free to help a lot more. I'm sure you will uh, throughout the rest of the week, if not today. Uh, great talking with Matthew Cotton. We're going to take a quick break. We'll get to some of your texts that came in. Uh, we'll keep updates on signing day, the early signing period. I know the number one player in the country just signed. And we do have something official about a Hawaii commit that'll make you feel really good. And what I mean, say you, I mean you and Timmy Chang and his staff. All that and more with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Good Christmas song, of course. Gary Dickman and Tanner Hayworth here. Liz Stacy in our studio uh, running the controls. Thank you guys for listening. We'll get to some texts coming up in just a minute. You heard the traffic report, and I had passed that overturned vehicle. Something you don't see uh, 
every day you don't want to see. Uh, I couldn't tell if anybody was hurt or not, but that looked uh, obviously pretty serious on the Moanalua Freeway earlier. And this wasn't an intended segue, but also I want to let you know about the Blood Bank. The Blood Bank of Hawaii urges donors to give back at Dave & Buster's Holiday Blood Drive. Uh, they're hosting a blo- The Blood Bank is hosting an exciting community event at Dave & Buster's. It's coming up next Tuesday. It's the day after Christmas, of course, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. to help combat the seasonal dip in donations and bring holiday cheer. Donations received will go directly to help patients across 18 statewide civilian hospitals. So if you have an opportunity, again, it's Tuesday, December 26th, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Dave & Buster's Ward Village. You can donate blood and have fun with family and friends the day after Christmas. All donors will receive an unlimited video gameplay card and complimentary breakfast or lunch while supplies last. So hopefully people can help out there. Uh, I did mention before the break we had some good news for the University of Hawaii as far as the early signing period starting. And thank you for the texter who let us know about it. But Micah Alejado is signed, sealed. Hasn't been delivered yet, but he's signed and sealed. Right, and that was from the uh, Las Vegas Review Journal. So thank you to the good folks over there that officially put out the uh, full Bishop Gorman signing set. So yeah, we got at least one of the guys from Bishop Gorman. Uh, Devon Rice, as we know, last week had flipped to Kansas State where he could you know, be that kind of mostly being a running back, which kind of makes sense because when you look at how Timmy Chang wanted to use Tylen Hines this year kind of as a slot back, maybe Devon Rice more wanted to be a running back than just kind of you know, going both ways like that. But maybe he wanted an extra zero or two on his NIL deal. Oh, yeah, that too. That also helps. <laughs> Manhattan, you know, is it's the smaller Manhattan for sure. But, but it is Big 12. It's a very good Manhattan Yeah, to be they have in. a better TV deal, unfortunately, than the Mountain West. Honestly, if you're, if you're a college football player, that's probably the Manhattan you want to be in. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, I mean, like, what's going on over there in New York? Everything. <laughs> yeah, but for, like, college football? Well, there's not much. You'd still want to be in that area. I mean, there's just a lot. There's too many distractions. There's too much to do. Uh, but I don't know what you mean. There's no real college football in that area being played. Rutgers is not exactly that close to New York City. And then also, because it is early signing day, not only we should be focusing on the University of Hawaii, I think we should also focus on some Hawaii players from the state of Hawaii that are signing elsewhere right Good now. Point. As we all know, uh, Analu Lafaele, son of now head coach. Mike Lafaele, head yeah. coach. He's been promoted from the defensive coordinator over there, Farrington. But Anelu Lafaele officially signed with Wisconsin today. Uh, the two former Oregon State commits, Rustin Young and Kikai Burnett from St. Louis and Punahou, respectively, both are flipping to uh, Michigan State to follow Jonathan Smith. And honestly, I think this is one of the cooler signings because it kind of highlights a guy that's at this school too. Uh, one of the better running backs in the state this year, uh, Vaimalai Fonoti, the running back from Kahuku, uh, put in his uh, signature to go to the University of Montana. And he will be joining former Kamehameha quarterback and son of Brian Ayat, Kaili Ayat. And if you don't know, uh, Brian Ayat was probably is probably one of the best players at the university. Was one of the best players at the University of Montana. One of their more legendary players in sure. that football. Are you history. surprised that the running back only? I mean, I don't want to downplay Montana, but I thought he was good. Montana's enough. good. I know they're good, but I mean, I would think maybe you'd go to an FBS school, maybe a Power Five school. At 
with that. I think if it were me and I had the choice of going to a a group of five school, I don't know what his offers were uh, off the top of my head. But if Montana gave me a scholarship offer to play football, it's probably one of the most beautiful places to play football. A very dedicated fan base, (laughs) a stadium bigger than ours. I think I'm pretty sure Montana Stadium is definitely bigger than ours. Almost every one would have to be bigger, but the and I, I mean, and I know that shouldn't be the priority to some, but the NIL money there's you would probably think would be a some, lot less. There's probably some at, at Montana because really their only com- main competitor are their main competitors, Montana State, and that is always a game that I always try my best to tune into every single year because I'm a big college football. Not I don't only focus on Group of Five very closely. I love to follow the FCS and I think but even Dakota, those, the South Dakota State or North Dakota State, one of those powers usually an FCS as yeah, well. Yeah, so it's those North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Montana, Montana State. Uh, uh, for a little bit there, Sacramento State was also doing very well. Albany went U-Albany, to the Final Four, right? Yeah, UAlbany lost in the semifinals to a really good South Dakota State right. team. I, I who now I think that makes their winning streak to around twenty three or twenty four. Right, that I says a lot remember. about Albany though. UAlbany, I keep forgetting yeah. that that they went that far. Hey, is it me? But the, the bishop. Gorman jerseys look like Florida. Yeah, University look, of Florida. They look like Florida if you slapped on a Green Bay Packers logo on there. Well, but I mean the color. Well, it can't be it's as, the color. Well, that's just the thing, though. That's just a re- really normal high school thing to do. Steal your logo, steal your uniform. Yeah, you can, yeah, you can name a few schools that have that about them. But we're going to take a break. We'll get you caught up with traffic. Hopefully it's a little bit better. Easy post Hawaii Bowl tickets to give away as well. And more of the sports animals on ESPN Honolulu. Hour number two of the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Gary Dickman, Tanner Hayworth, doing a great job filling in for, oh yeah, Chris Hart. Uh, he will be back with us a little bit later uh, in the following week. He's on a vacation with Stacy here in our studios as well. We'll get to some text at 808-296-1420. We thank you for the texts that have been coming in. We're going to let you know about a few stories that we have been following. I just want to give one national story. We usually focus on local stuff when, when there is so much to talk about here. I guess it's sort of official now, Tanner, that Aaron Rodgers will not play this year. Uh, we heard yesterday in the Pat McAfee show that he said he's still a few weeks out, and I think it's a smart move for several reasons, but I'm glad we can kind of put that to rest. It's probably because they're also eliminated from playoffs. That's contention. one of the reasons. Yes, that's also, definitely one uh, of the this, reasons. This was a, a point brought up by Josh Pacheco yesterday in the afternoon show and off the bench when he him going solo because Hunter's on vacation. Um, but Josh kind of put it on the NFL and the Jets, much less Aaron Rodgers, over the last couple of the weeks because there's that whole rule where there's a practice window that opens up if you're on IR. So he had like three weeks to see if he was going to practice. So when you look at yesterday's news or two days ago news, I can't remember what exact yesterday day he it was. said, but today is the yeah. end of that 21 right. day period. So yesterday when he breaks that news, a lot of people are like, Oh, here comes Aaron Rodgers doing his thing where he, you know, gets on TV and he wants to be on TV. It's like, well, this for once was kind of outside of his control because that 21 day window is just kind of a really vague kind of rule. Kind of just feels weird. Kind of just feels it like, does. Hey, if he can practice, let's just activate him off of IR. I'm not sure necessarily what that is trying to protect 
uh, whether it's That's the players new, or anything. I, I I'm rem- not sure. I don't I, remember that window I haven't before. heard much about that rule until this year, um, but I think that's something to focus on, that this is one of those rare uh, Aaron Rodgers, it's not your fault. But we can blame him uh, continuously for everything I was else. surprised to see some of the text, and some of them I believe came in maybe in the afternoon show yesterday off the bench, as you said, but saying that, you know, here, like, kind of what you just said. Right. Here he is. He's got to be in the media all the time, and I've seen several people comment on that. I think it couldn't be further than the, from the truth. Of course he's also going to be on the Pat McAfee show. He yeah. gets paid like... He gets paid like over a million dollars just to be on the show. Get your bag. I'm sorry. If Pat is paying me a million dollars, I'm going on every Tuesday yeah, too. And in a way, I mean, I, I like the And that ha- offer is out, Pat McAfee. Yes, I'm sure. But there he is. He's uh, calling you now. I, I think it's great that we get access and hear, you know, famous athletes or famous people in any way where you can reach them and hear from them and hear what they have to say instead of reporters necessarily speculating or reaching out. So that part is good. But I don't think – why would anybody think that Aaron Rodgers needs to be there in the media spotlight all the time or that often. He seems like he's the opposite. I mean, he doesn't like to talk about his personal life. He very rarely does. Um, and I, what I mean, the things he's, he's got his beliefs, and I think I think his beliefs have made uh, headlines more often than not because they're a little bit different as far as the you know the COVID vaccine and stuff like that. But I don't think he's trying to get in the spotlight by doing this. I I thought that him coming back was maybe to show the Jets that he was going to give him a few games this year, play next year, and that would be it. So he wouldn't be just for one year if he misses all of the season, which it looks like he will. But I don't – and even that, I don't know how far that would have gone with him if that's totally true. But it also are indications from Jet Beat writers that he plans on playing for the Jets in 25 as well. Honestly, if I were Aaron Rodgers, I would like to – I think – it makes sense for him to say, I still want to play for two more years. I think you can still get two more years out of Aaron Rodgers. And honestly, maybe the Achilles injury was kind of a blessing in disguise because of how terrible this New York Jets offensive line is. Yeah. and I, So they I, have I, another year to improve. And whether that's, you know, um, you know, improving on both tackle positions, whether that's improving just anywhere. Please send help for the New York Jets there. It's amazing when you struggle like that. That so I mean, they get uh, Mackay Becton, right? Been injured throughout his career, and when healthy, he's been okay. He was okay his rookie year. He got good grades by Pro Football Focus. Uh, Elijah uh, Vera Tucker from USC has been injured a lot. He's moved around. The other guys are old, like Dwayne Brown. I mean, you you got to strike gold once in a while, and they haven't gotten a good pick with any of their offensive line picks. But I remember somebody. uh, I was at Ruby Tuesday before the season. And I remember where this guy was saying, oh, you're a Jets fan. You're going to the Super Bowl. And I go, no, no, I've seen this story before. Brett Favre came over. People, no, no, they're going. Now, the thing was, that would be with Aaron Rodgers healthy. I don't think anybody right now, and you kind of just hinted at it as well, anybody right now would think if Aaron Rodgers was 100% healthy, they'd still be going to a Super Bowl. I think it would be closer. You know, they'd they be would, closer, They wouldn't yeah. be eliminated from playoffs. He's better that's than Zach sure. Wilson, for sure. But who, that offensive way, line. Who, by the way, is probably not playing this weekend because he's still in concussion protocol. Even when he plays, he's not always playing. Yeah, but he's probably still better than Trevor Simeon. That's, that's probably true. That's probably true. Let's, no disrespect to Trevor Simeon. You know, all disrespect yeah, to Trevor Simeon. Yes, well, they didn't draft him, at least. I think Denver did on that. Uh, also, stories we're following uh, is University of Hawaii, men's basketball, Iolani Classic, a lot of basketball going on. That's one of the things I love about this week. The only, not really a negative, I wish I could go to, like, every game. I would love to, and I've done, I've done it before for college basketball and tournament play. 
I've sat through four college basketball games in a day. And I shouldn't say sat through. That almost sounds like a, a struggle. Watched. I love the, watching four <laughs> games in one day. It is tiring. But there's nothing better than that if you're a basketball fan. Of course, the Elani Classic has probably more than four games going on today with the quarterfinals and the championship just two days away. Who do you think was going to show up today for the Elani Classic? Well, I know the TCU coaches are probably going to be there, so right. Jamie Dixon's hoping to get there. Is Jamie Dixon on the same level as a Dylan Gabriel or a Barack Obama? Well, I'll say this. I did look up his salary last night, just Wondering about that. Jamie Dixon or Barack Obama? No, well, Jamie Dixon. Oh, yeah, uh, we just had that conversation last time. 22nd in the country. Take a guess on how much money he makes this 22nd year. 22nd in the country in basketball? As far as college coaches' salaries. What is that, like two, like two and a half a year? I was guessing around two plus when I before I looked it right. up, 3.5. Okay, that's that's respectable. Certainly more than plus, our football very coach. Very respectable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, well, it's about $3 million plus more than Iran Gannat makes. It's about $3 million plus more than what Timmy Chang makes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's just how it is for the group of five. But you know, what, and just real quick on that, uh, we'll get to the third big story in just a second. But one of the things about that I find interesting is I was talking about you know, some of the coaches and director of basketball operations. Their fans don't show up this time of year. They only have a capacity of, I think, 6,500. And 6, our fans do? No, that's the thing. It's compar- I, was talking about, <laughs> I was talking about the attendance here, how bad it is. And they were saying, well, there it's the same thing. They have yeah. to bribe people, basically. This is the Big 12. They've been an NCAA tournament team pretty much every year. they got to give out free shirts, free food, free drinks. Uh, they've got well, to basically bribe people. And he said for conference, they sell out. And they get like 3,000 students a game right. for conference well, out of 6,500. But right now, they're getting nothing. Well, not I'll say, say this. Nothing, but not big crowd. I'll say this. For students, of course you're not getting any students this time of year. Everyone's on break. Well, they don't. They wouldn't go even and, in November. They even when they started the season. Well, because also shows up. November is when work really starts ramping up for students because that's when people are like, "Oh my gosh, I haven't gone to any of the lectures this year, man. I gotta start studying now for the final because I did fine on the midterm. So now I gotta make sure I do good on the final. So I will say this: I will never really judge a program based on how many fans come out. Pre in their uh, non-conference schedule, yeah. But I will judge a program based on how much they get in a positive way. Like if there's a lot of fans in like November or December, I'm like, okay, well that's makes sense because that's probably going to be the programs that you think they are. If you if you know what I mean. Yeah, I used to go to Maryland games in November. That's when I used to go back east, and they used to play non-conference games. And the same thing, their capacity at the Comcast Center is I think 17,000 plus. Right. And they would get maybe 8,000, which I know what you're saying, that's still you know, double us on a good night, <laughs> but it was, it was half full. Right. And that looked very, very bizarre. When I'd go to the Maryland-Duke game in February most years, uh, of course it was you know standing well, it's, room only. It's so a it's lot a big, of familiarity. But they would, they would play, again, and the games I went to were Duquesne, Stony Brook, and I forget who the third one was, but it wasn't a named school at all. And again, it's half empty. So anyway, going back to TCU, uh, they were surprised at the crowds here because the team is really good, they feel, uh, and then seeing what they get over there. First of all, I was surprised at the size of the arena, only 6,500 or 6,800, and the fact that they never get full until conference. So it's not just a unique thing. And I told them about the excuses we hear, I hear at least, as far as, oh, it's on a weeknight, uh, holidays. Games and, don't matter. You know, stuff like that. But it was just we're not the only school in right. that situation, I guess, is my point I think that. the most surprising part about TCU's uh, any part of their uh, – of their not stadium, what's the of their arena is that garish court. 
I hate where, their where? courts so at TCU? much. At TCU, we played volleyball there for the yeah. uh, the inv- their own invitational with uh, Florida State, TCU, and another school. Was it A and M? I don't think it was A and M. It was another school though. That's escaping me. But still, regardless, that was one of like a lot of people like to rag. On the Oregon court and the trees I, and how much they hate it. I hate the it. worst court is the TCU court because of the totally different amount of lines just going absolutely everywhere. It's just jarring. It's disorienting. I don't get how they play sports there. I don't understand. I, I'm remembering it as you say that. I don't have to give another look at it. The Oregon one to me is bad. And one of the things I hate about it, it looks like the, the duck got sick. Uh, and uh, but you can't really see the end line, the out of bound lines. I will only take that joke towards their speckled uniforms. The, the thing is, I'm not really joking. <laughs> That's what I kind of thought They're at first. Trees. I know it's a tree. I love the Oregon I, court. I, I can't I'm sorry. Stand it. I will stand up on my soapbox and I will scream to the to the angry mob to me. The Oregon court is fine, and I don't get the hate. Uh, it just doesn't look like a basketball court. I just like the regular basketball court to have your logo, and that is it. Have some fun. Uh, well, they're they better. Definitely... They're better than the uh, in-season tournament courts. I'll tell you that. That I, I agree with you on that. Hey, let's get to the third story we are following, and it is a National Signing Day, the early signing period, three days from now until Friday the twenty-second, and we've got some news on the University of Hawaii football signings, don't we? Yes, the eagle has landed. Or the Gale has landed, if you want to be more specific. Micah Alejado has officially signed to the University of Hawaii. So for that, that is a big sigh of relief for a lot of Hawaii football fans because of his Twitter the last couple of weeks. And on that same note, there's a lot of pretty much everyone that we said was signing the last couple of months are signing. Uh, I think some of the big highlights, uh, Alvin Puefua uh, from, um, I think it's like West High School. I can't remember the name of his high school in Utah. Big kind of three-tech defensive lineman. Very excited to see him there. Armando Lewis, a wide receiver from Canyon Springs in Nevada. Uh, most notably, uh, in his recruiting visit, he is wearing a number seven jersey. So I think that's a lot of what the coaching staff thinks about a guy like Armando Lewis in the next couple of years. Alongside him, Jarvis Heimuli, brother of Pafele Ashlock, is also making his way down down from Trinity um, and a lot of really good local recruits as well. Pretty much like four different edge rushers from the state of Hawaii. I'm seeing, um, I think officially Tristan Wymout Galindo um, Kamehameha, right? from Kamehameha. I'm expecting the other three edge rushers to sign if they say that 15 people are signing today. So that's going to be your Noah Wiley from St. Louis your uh, Noziah Carvalho from Campbell, also from Kamehameha the year before. And then also Alika Kavakua-Moy from Punahou kind of plays both that linebacker slash uh, can rush from that uh, position as well. And then also a couple of solid offensive linemen. You see Tuimutsi from Punahou, uh, Joshua Tovui from Campbell, and then the Juco uh, commit Christian Perry, uh, someone who's coming in with a lot of hype, certainly, uh, from a lot of the people very close on recruiting. And, of course, Jay Tawala Harris, who flipped from San Jose earlier uh, this season. So a lot to be excited about. Um, I didn't even mention probably the first-ever uh, Kamehameha School's Maui student to go straight from the school 
to the University of Hawaii uh, in Frank Abreu. He's right. six, like 6'3". Six, it's really hard to miss him if you watch uh, uh, MIL game because there's not really anyone else his height on the field. So right. I'm very excited for a guy like him. Um, yeah, we're going to get probably a release later today with a lot more information on everybody. But, yeah, the biggest news, Micah Alejado, officially a Rainbow Warrior. Uh, he joins the small quarterback room of John Kevisungo Bolutele and Jake Farrell. So expect to see a couple of more names, I think, at the quarterback spot by the time spring ball rolls around. Because you can't just have three quarterbacks. Right, right. You that is way too little. Eight. Uh, so Josh is on today at 3 o'clock off the bench, and he'll have the updated information. Now at noon today, uh, Let's Talk Sports is off, but we have what's listed as the best of ESPN Honolulu. And that will apparently they fill up a there? whole we'll have to fill up a whole hour. So that's my I'm, first I'm point. not sure if they're filling that up. I no. know that's going to be a tough one. I'm, I am curious. I imagine it'll it's probably going to be something pulled from today's show. So past shows, interviews, like that's that. what I would think. Yeah. It wouldn't have you and I talking, although it should. That's just kind of a they hint. Should just and be, a they should just rerun this show. Yeah. You know, they used to do that when I was on with Bobby in the morning. This part will definitely not be in the 12 a.m. part. But, this yeah. one specific part where we're talking about the future. We, um, Bobby and I were doing the morning show from 6 to 9. This was in the late 90s. And then from 3 to 6, we would replay it. And that was kind of bizarre because, I mean, you don't usually have, you know, sports talk shows replayed. No. Uh, that didn't last very long. <laughs> we know why. <laughs> but uh, that was just kind of weird. Like, you know, I do the show in the morning and then you could hear it, you know, driving home, the exact same thing. You know, what was coming up at what time? If you didn't, if you did hear it, but it was a good opportunity to hear both of us hopefully a little bit later. So anyway, Josh will, I'm sure, have a lot more information and the updated with, with UH definitely going to re, uh, have a press release on that later on today when everything becomes official. And again, it's not just... Just for today, they'll get the majority of their recruits signing today, but they do have two more days to get people to uh, sign as well. And hopefully we'll get Timmy Chang on the show. We are looking for Friday right now. We're going to talk some Rainbow Up, uh, Rainbow, some Diamond Head Classic basketball. The Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic starts tomorrow morning at 10. Game number two is TCU and Old Dominion, and Old Dominion head coach, uh, Jeff Jones will be joining us coming up in a minute. Right after we finish with Coach Jeff Jones, we will give out the tickets to the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl for Saturday, so stay tuned for that as well. You can win a $1,000 cash grand prize and $100 weekly prizes in ESPN Honolulu's Pigskin Picks, brought to you by M. Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. All you have to do is visit ESPNHonolulu.com right now to register. We are back. Gary Dickman here and Tanner Hayward, the sports animals on ESPN Honolulu. We're going to talk some more Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic as we welcome our next guest. And I'm going to have to start with a kind of an apology as we welcome Old Dominion head coach Jeff Jones to the show. Jeff, great to have you on again. Gary, it's great to be with you. And I, I before we get started, I just want to uh, relay messages from Ed McLaughlin and Greg Lyons and Trian Donahue. They all said hello. They've been... Uh, texting and, and reminded me of uh you know some of the the great memories everybody has from uh, previous years out here yeah and we've had great times together i've hosted your teams with virginia and american university and i actually put in i, I know jamie dixon of tcu obviously i know you we go way back so i put in a request for either teams i couldn't make up my mind and they gave me tcu and i do feel bad that i am not hosting your team so that's my apology right off the top 
<laughs> no worries. No worries. And I know uh, Kieran was with you now, so we'll touch base on him, sure. And Ed McLaughlin, the athletic director at VCU, uh, was with your teams at American. I remember the last time you guys were out here. So uh, yep. I know your teams, again, have been out here. It's been a while since you were at American University, and they came out here. Talk about this tournament and what it means. It's such a prestigious tournament, the only real college basketball being played this week, big-time basketball, that is. It's uh, it's a great basketball tournament with great tradition. Um, obviously, uh, the opportunity to to you know to come to Hawaii, uh, you know that 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 is a, a huge draw. Um, the the fact that uh, you know the basketball has always been uh, terrific, uh, the the hospitality is, is is amazing, and you know to boot it's a it's an ESPN uh, tournament, so you you have a, an opportunity to you know to to play on ESPN. This is actually the third we uh, third in three years of ESPN uh, 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 tournaments uh, exempt tournaments that we've played in. Uh, we were in Charleston and in Myrtle Beach before coming out here, and uh, uh, you know it's, it's it's all of their tournaments are great, but this is this is really really special as you said because. Uh, you know, it's got such a great tradition. Yeah, it's been fun over the years, and this year's field looks to be a really good one as well. I know you guys have TCU tomorrow right around noon uh, after the second game of the first round of the tournament. Uh, did your team doing anything besides basketball? I know a lot of schools come here because they're here for basically a week. They'll do other things, maybe like Pearl Harbor or some sightseeing. Well, we uh, the, the, the tournament has, has scheduled, uh, you know, on the 23rd, right? There's there, There's no game, so... Uh, uh, you know, they have something scheduled for the team uh, that day uh, at, at, at Pearl Harbor. Um, yesterday after practice, our, our guys had some time off. We practiced early uh, in the afternoon. So, they, you know, they had some uh, time off to go to the beach or, you know, to, to walk around down here uh, and, and, and look around. And, you know, you want it to be uh, – there's a fine line there. You want it to be a fun experience and, and the guys to enjoy themselves. But we, we also – you know, want to make sure that they understand this is a business trip. And, you know, especially for us, we're still trying to find ourselves. We've played a brutal schedule. Uh, we've got nine new guys. We start two freshmen. Uh, we've, we've got to get better. So this is a, a, a great opportunity for us, uh, you know, playing against great, uh, great competition. TCU is a really, really good team uh, for us just to get better and help us to, to get ready and, and, and hopefully be in a position uh, you know, to to be uh, very very competitive in, in the Sun Belt. Our, our first game will be on December thirtieth, so that's that's really the goal there. Jeff Jones, head coach for Old Dominion basketball out of the Sun Belt, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. So I'm looking at your schedule, Jeff, and I got a question because in the Sun Belt you've got James Madison and you play them twice in conference, but you also played them a couple of weeks ago too. How did that work out? Yeah, so, so we. Um, you know, we were in Conference USA uh, prior to last year, and James Madison was in the CAA. Uh, at that time, we had a, 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 a kind of a long-term series uh, signed, uh, contracted uh, with James Madison. And then when we, obviously, when we uh, went into the same conference, you know, there was, there was one game left to be played, and they owed us that game. Uh, and, ah. and so we did do it last year, but we, we went ahead and played them this year. Uh, and, and they're a really good team. I think they're like 20th in the country right now. Uh, you know, they, uh, they, 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 they're just really good. They can really score the basketball, uh, have a lot of veterans on the team. So, um, you know, that was one more, uh, you know, challenging game. But, again, it, it, it'll help us to, to you know, be, become better ourselves. 
Again, you've taken teams like Virginia and American to the NCAA tournament. I remember being at your game in Philadelphia when you played Villanova in the first round and gave them all they could handle several years ago. But since those years, those times, uh, college basketball has changed a lot. You mentioned you're in the Sun Belt now as one example, but NILs and Transfer Portal has really changed the game. How do you look at those topics or those things that are now really heavy invo- heavily involved with college football and basketball and how it affects the overall game? Well, Gary, you know, I, I've, I've been a college coach for 42 years, 32 years as, as, as a head coach. And, uh, you know, there, there's been constant, you know, a constant uh, uh, evolution and, and change throughout those years. What we've seen the last five or six years uh, is, is at such an accelerated pace uh, with, with the change. And, and, and in particular, uh, you know, the, the conference realignment, the NIL and, and the transfer portal. Um, what, what I'll say is all of those things, right, all of those things uh, are driven by money. And, uh, you know, is it uh, everybody can have their opinion about whether it's good for the sport or, or not, is whether it's good for the student-athletes or not, uh, but the fact remains that it's here to stay. You know, the, the, you're not putting that genie back in the bottle uh, and, and so you've got to, you know, find a way in, in your situation. Obviously, you know, for, for us at Old Dominion, being a Sunbelt school, uh, we, we have an NIL collective. Uh, you know, we try to do what we can, but we can't compete with the Power 5 schools and what they're doing. Just the, the numbers that it's, it's, it's being thrown out there is, is just, uh, to me, quite honestly, it's, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. But, um, uh, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, uh, you know, the, the, you, you've always had, and it's, it's not something that just happened, the haves and the have-nots, uh, or the haves and the haves less, uh, but that, that divide is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, with the, the, the TV money and everything else, um, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it is, and it's always been to a certain extent, but it is a business. And it's, it's, it, it's about, you know, uh, the, the, the schools, the athletic, uh, athletic departments, um, and, uh, and, and, and these uh, TV networks working together to, to generate the best product for the TV, but also the, best, the, the, the most revenue for the schools. Yeah, like you said, it's here to stay. I'm curious about this because we know those uh, those aspects exist, as you said. But conference realignment for a school like Old Dominion, why would they go from Conference USA to the Sun Belt? It seems like almost a lateral move. Well, it it, it was in a sense, but when uh, 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 teams left the AAC to go to the Big Twelve, I think it was the AAC needed to to fill some spots, and so they picked the six biggest markets in Conference USA. Uh, leaving our, ourselves, uh, you know, schools like uh, Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee and UTEP and Louisiana Tech, all schools that have been very, very successful on, on the playing fields, but, but those that aren't in, in the major markets like Dallas or Houston or Miami. Uh, so those teams left, and, and basically Old Dominion uh, made the, the, the decision along with Marshall uh, that, uh, you know, we, we really did not want to stay uh, in Conference USA, the way it was going to be configured going forward, and so that's when uh, our athletic director and president, uh, uh, you know, kind of put their their heads together and uh, you know found a, a landing sp- uh, spot in, in in the Sun Belt, and then James Madison joined us uh, coming over. So we've got a you know an in-state rival uh, uh, to in 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 in, uh, in in the Sun Belt as well. So that's that's really you know a lot of people. 
uh, you know, around our place thought it had to do with football because Sunbelt football is pretty good. Uh, it, it really had nothing to do with football. It just had to do with, you know, going forward with those six teams leaving to go to the AAC, where, where did we want to be and what was the, the, the best fit for Old Dominion? Right. That makes total sense the way you explained it. Hey, I know you played James Madison, as I mentioned. They were ranked, I believe, 18th. You played Arkansas. They were ranked 14th at the time. Pretty close game, uh, losing by nine. Can you tell our listeners about some of the exciting players we can look forward to seeing tomorrow, Friday, and Sunday? Well, um, uh, you know, our most exciting player really is a, a young man, uh, Chauncey Jenkins. Um, now, he doesn't like this, and I, I don't think he's listening to the show, so that would be good. But he, he looks uh, very, very much like Ja Morant. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a 6'4 guard. He's a phenomenal athlete. He's our best player. He's a high flyer. Uh, he's our leading scorer. And, uh, you know, we, we really need him to, to get untracked if, 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 you know, if we're going to be able to uh, compete with uh, TCU and all of their athletes. Uh, an, another young man um, uh, on our team, Vashon Alette, uh, you know, is a freshman uh, starting point guard. Uh, you know, still with a lot to learn. He, you know, he, he came back after tearing his ACL last year uh, in, in his senior year of, of, of high school. But uh, the last couple games, you know, that, that, that he's played, uh, you know, he had 32 uh, games ago and I think 16. So, you know, he's off to a pretty good start as, as a freshman. He just needs to learn kind of how, how to play college defense. You know, nobody's ever talked to him about defense. And so sometimes right now that's, a, that's an issue. But, uh, you know, he's a talented guard. And, uh, uh, you know, let, let me tell you, we, we've got our hands full. Uh, J- Jamie, uh, who obviously you know well, has a really, really good basketball team. They're old. Uh, they, they're, they're athletic. They come at you. They, you know, they're getting 13 offensive rebounds a game. They're uh, you know they're they're playing really fast. They score a ton of, of points. Uh, they uh, uh, they they their offensive possessions average 14 seconds. Uh, that's that's <laughs> one of the, the 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 you know the lowest totals in the country. So they they just defensively they're looking to and it's all at the half court level. They're not really doing a whole lot at, at, at the full court level, but they're they're looking to create havoc and, and, and force turnovers and get out and score as quickly as they can. Yeah, it should be a fun game tomorrow. That is the second game of four. Jeff, if I don't run into you today uh, around the practice gyms, I will see you definitely tomorrow. Again, I apologize for not hosting your team, but it'll be great to see you uh, and catch up again more. We thank you for joining the show today. It's a pleasure, Gary. Great to hear your voice and look forward to seeing you. All right, great to hear you as well, Jeff. Thank you so much. Jeff Jones, the head coach at Old Dominion, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. And yeah, it was the first time I hosted them. It was, I think, 98. 97 or 98 at Virginia, and somewhere around 2007 or 8 with American University. Didn't go for the three-peat. I feel bad about that. You know, a John Morant comparison, you know, is very timely as he, in his first game back from his 25-game suspension, drops the game winner over the New Orleans Pelicans. So maybe, you know, that might be a good comparison to hear now. Yeah, I want to watch this guy. I hope he doesn't do too much against TCU. And I just got to feel awkward because I know Jeff, I know his director of operations, and the other people he mentioned were on staff before. Now uh, Ed McLaughlin, the AD at well, they VCU. Can't, they can't end in a tie. 
So. That's true. That's true. I, I wish, <laughs> but we'll be fun to see again. Chance uh, Jenkins is number two, and we'll look forward to seeing him tomorrow. And we're going to give out some Easy Post Hawaii Bowl tickets. If you would like to win them, just be caller number three at 808-296-1420. We'll give them out in just a second. And if you want to watch NFL football, well, check out 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar at Leeward Bowl. With the NFL package, you get to see every game, all of the football games in the NFL at uh, Leeward Bowl. You can check out their great video wall and enjoy 850 Broke to Mount menu. 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar. It's in the Pearl City Shopping Center. We are back, Gary and Tanner here. We do have a winner for the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. Russell from Honolulu was caller number two, so congratulations, Russell. Uh, we will have a pair of tickets. Well, Josh will have a pair of tickets for the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl coming up this afternoon as well. Uh, tomorrow morning, Bobby will have that, and we're going to have two pairs on our show tomorrow morning because we are special. Some people might disagree with that. Uh, maybe the majority of you, but we. Feel I think a lot special. of people will agree <laughs> on that, but maybe not all positive. Yes. yes yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go to our text line. Yeah. Uh, at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty, we haven't uh, gone over text lately. We thank you for that. Uh, one texter says the most animated coaches in college basketball are, and leaving it for me and me and you to. Uh, fill in the blank there. Now, John Calipari used to be, well, he still is very Is this animated. only basketball? Well, college or, basketball. Or, 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 okay, yeah, college, college basketball, he's saying. Gary, and I've known these coaches up front. Gary Williams was one of the ones who, some of the things he was, I'll give you an example of Gary Williams, a former Maryland coach. And I, you know, knew him well and went to so many games and always sitting around the bench. I get to hear a lot of his stuff. There was a game where one of the players was maybe not playing great defense. And I remember the game. It was against Wake Forest. Craig, I can't remember Craig's last name, hitting three threes against Maryland. And when they went to the bench, uh, Gary Williams yelled at an assistant coach, my friend Jimmy Potsos, and said, that's your fault because you told them not to play defense. <laughs> I don't think any assistant coach would tell a player not to play defense, but those were Gary Williams' words. One of the guys, I, got, I knew a guy from the championship team, Byron Mouton, and he redshirted one year. He, he was in street clothes the entire year. And during a couple of timeouts early in the season, well, not during timeouts, during play, somebody on the court would do something, and Byron would get yelled at. Right. Now, he wasn't in uniform. He wasn't playing that year, but he would get yelled at, and he couldn't figure out why. And I'll say also another animated coach who will be here this week and was here Sunday, Riley Wallace. Hmm. He was pretty animated. He might be. Is he? Are you? Um, is he before your time? Slightly, but I know of. Yeah, I talked to him on Sunday, and he's looking good. And when I mentioned something about the St. Louis Cardinals, who he loves, and the New York Mets, who he hates, he gave me the old like what he used to do to the referees. Ah, get out of here. <laughs> and uh, reached out to uh, maybe slap me a little. You know, not real. I'm just joking about that. But it was good to see Riley. He was very animated. I mean, throwing the jacket. I don't know if you're, you're familiar with that, but he had a tendency. I don't know how many times he did it. And I wasn't here early enough in the early part of Riley's career. I was on the Big Island, I guess, actually, when he started being the head coach. But how many times did he throw it? He usually had a green jacket. and He would throw it into the stand because he was mad at the refs. That, that doesn't happen anymore. No, not a lot. I missed that part. I think I got two names on two different sides of the spectrum okay. in a way. One, obviously, I'd have to say Bob Knight. Okay, well. Probably uh, yeah. the most infamous uh, yeah. college basketball yeah. coach. Of all time, obviously, of yeah. Obviously the chair. Uh, and I will say to go on recent stuff, I think 
a guy we see a lot every single year, Russell Turner tends to always be a little bit, maybe not physically animated, but vocally a- animated. I yes, think it's out of the say. Big West, he would win that award. Now, another coach who is really animated is in town coaching UMass, and that's Frank Martin. And they were here. He was here with Kansas State, and I believe they won the Diamond Head. And also, well, no, he wasn't here with South Carolina, or maybe he was. But I, I remember him yelling at the official, and I was sitting baseline just to hear him. That was the reason I sat near their bench that one year just to hear everything he said. I remember the official, Ted Valentine, one of the best in the biz, I think he retired, telling Frank, Mom, I'm trying to help you guys when he was telling him about something. I don't even remember what it was about a screen or a legal screen. But Frank Martin, I heard Bobby Curran say this morning on his show, last night for the Coaches versus Cancer event, Frank Martin was the nicest, low-key, humble guy. Where on the court, he's the opposite. That's he's, how it always is. His though. eyes look like That's they're about to fall is. out of his head. <laughs> I mean, like they're just bulging. I mean, his eyes, he just loses like veins sticking out almost. And I don't know if I'm over-exaggerating that at all, but he's very, very animated. That's why I always love it when I, you it's in those rare moments where you do see Iran gonna get a little bit animated very towards rare. the refs. But it's just like, it's like, yes, yes, give us some more emotion. Yeah, Come on, Iran. We love it. It's so much fun to see. I think he might have gotten one technical <laughs> since he's been here. He needs more. And he I remember asking him about that. I, and I, just going back real fast, we'll get to the next. I remember sure, Gary Williams sure. uh, telling me once, and he, um, we were watching a game in the Rainbow Classic back then when they were here, and this was in 96, my second year hosting, and he, there was a coach in a game who got a tech, and he was telling me, which I think is probably obvious to a lot of us now, is that the coach will get a tech on purpose just to fire up the team. And we kind of hear that and know that, but he acknowledged he's done that before. Definitely has done that. Um, and one more quick one on Gary Williams. I went to a game once they were playing Duquesne, and they were up by 20, and Gary Williams got a technical with a minute left. It was going off on the refs. And I asked one of the assistant coaches after the game, why would he do that when you're up by 20 with a minute left? He said, those are ACC refs, and Duke gets away with that call every time. He's setting those refs up, so if they're there when we play Duke in two months, he'll remind them of the call he blew and screw it up. Really interesting strategy. Okay, here's an interesting text I want to get into. It says, Aloha, gentlemen. First of all, that catches our attention right away. Since you're talking about recruiting in today's signing day, do you know what criteria and thought process are in Timmy Chang's recruitment are, knowing Hawaii is a group of five school? Does he eliminate all the top five and four rated recruits, not wanting to waste his time and efforts? Does he set his sights on the athletes he feels has a decent chance to sign? Uh, hopefully we'll have him on on Friday. We'll ask him that. But I've heard him say a couple of things about that. One, you've got to be honest with the recruits. And that's one of the things we hear. And you get the family atmosphere aspect. He said, you can't lie. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit hearing some of his recent comments. You can't lie about the facilities we have. They are what they are. But he also gives them a lot of things that are really positive. And not that the facilities are necessarily negative, but they're probably not the same as other Big West, I mean, excuse me, Mountain West schools. They're negative. But he, but he, but he's being <laughs> honest with them about it. And he said you develop relationships. And I think um, Christian Vaughn mentioned that when he decided to sign. So as far as not wasting your time, I, I'm not sure if I've heard him say it, but other coaches have. You're not going to waste your recruiting budget and time and efforts on somebody who you don't think you have a chance to sign. But you still give them offers. Well, you well you might give no, them you an do. offer. You he because he, he has. Well, they offered it, it Dylan Riola. They offered Isaac Wilson. That's going to Utah, brother of Zach Wilson. They offered Isaiah Marshall, who's going to Kansas. Uh, those, I mean, the first two, I'd say, are five-star, four-star guys. Uh, they offered a guy, Jordan Washington, that's going to Arizona. He's a four-star guy. They offered uh, Xavier Jordan, another four-star guy, going to USC. Dylan Gresham, a four-star wide receiver, going to Oregon. I don't think you ever say that 
yeah, you are really good, but you're too good for us. We're not going to offer you. I agree you. with that That's part. not going to happen. But you can offer, but I don't think they spend a whole lot of time recruiting guys that they don't feel like. Not, for example, they're not going to fly to whatever state necessarily to meet a four-star well, yeah, guy because you know you don't have much of a chance. That's what, that's what I mean by that. You're not yeah, gonna they're not going to do part. a home visit. You're not going to do that. You don't want to – you, 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 you only have a limited budget right. for what you can spend, but so you that's will, the reason. You'll, you'll offer. You'll offer You'll everybody. gladly host them if they come for yeah, an official you'll visit. Offer, and you might not – I think you're limited on how many visits you can offer. Right. And I know the players are re- restricted, I believe, as well. So you're not going to waste it on a guy that might not really well, want to sign. You I like remember a, a couple years ago, guy. we hosted Nico Yamaliava, the Tennessee quarterback, the five-star Tennessee quarterback Long from Beach Long Pop- Beach. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I remember when he came for the spring game. Yeah, for the spring game that. and everything. So, you know, you host them because you never know what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, hey, we're going to take a break in a minute. I want to remind you that you can upgrade your island style with Kahala. It's the original Aloha shirt since 1936. They are fantastic. I've got a few, and I love them. You can pick up one for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores island-wide, or you can check out kahala.com. Gary Dickman, Tanner Hayworth on this still very cloudy uh, Wednesday morning. The rain hopefully will it's let a, up. But I thought it's a I winter said that wonderland. Sure is, and then some, that's for sure. Uh, let's get to some more text here at 808-296-1420. Uh, somebody texted in a little earlier saying, Animals, what's the deal with Braden? Is he coming back or not? We don't know, and I think now that you have the first signing period, the first day of the signing period today, and Micah Alejado has signed, in case you're just tuning in. I don't know if that means anything for Braden Shager coming back or not. I don't know if Timmy Chang can or wants to comment on it publicly, and he hasn't so far about him coming back. He just said, we'll be okay when we heard that Braden entered the portal. And if he is coming back, is it because he's not getting enough offers? Uh, we heard Baylor and BYU were two schools that were at least reaching out, maybe offering, maybe not, but we're in the mix. And Baylor just got a quarterback, the back player of the year from Toledo, so that would eliminate them from wanting Braden Shaker, I think. So I, I would think if he – either way, we're going to probably hear something soon. I don't think if you're Braden Shaker, you want to stay in that – you want to be in that portal that much longer because the less opportunities will be available that way. And if you are going to come back, I mean, they want they probably want to know soon too even though spring practice isn't for a few months. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Here's one that's basically, uh, well, I'll read one more before I get to Tanner's text, basically. Uh, somebody texted in earlier, bad news for men's basketball. Big West is much improved. CSUN beat UCLA yesterday. Gulp. Um, I don't know if they're much improved. I don't think Santa Barbara is much better. Irvine seems to be the real deal again. Uh, but, yeah, seeing CSUN beating UCLA at UCLA was very surprising. Okay, here's one on signing day. Uh, I'm not sure how much Tanner knows. Hopefully I'm not putting him on the spot too much. But they want to know where's all the Kahuku and Mililani, Mililani signees. UH needs a few of those. Do you have any info on any of those schools? So I'll say this. Yeah, they were both in the States this year. Of course, you're going to wonder, okay, how come all these guys ain't going to University of Hawaii, you know? So I look at the – you want to do that, you can look at the top rankings. The number five recruit in the state, Filiva Asaluni, by the way, played at St. Louis for his entire career until last year. Just want to mention that. Uh, Filiva Asaluni, you know, commits to Arizona State. Uh, we it's, So it's a Big 12 school, I think we now yeah. officially have to call it. So boom, right there. There's your Kahuku kid in the top 10. Uh, another one, Isaac Mahuka, three-star, Mililani. Also, by the way, transferred from IAEA, one of the many guys. Uh, he hasn't really committed anywhere. Um, we haven't really heard much about it. 
And after that, then it's Hiram Benjamin Moore's number 12 recruit, Washington State commit. And that's the what, thing. What is his name again? Hiram Benjamin Moore's. Benjamin Moore's. Yeah, like M-O-O-R. Oh, the reason I'm asking, there was a famous um, ben Benjamin Moore paints. Right. And I actually bought a car from a man named Benjamin Moore <laughs> once. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. But I just got to say this. It's early signing day. It's the first day of early signing day. Um, a lot of kids aren't going to make their decision today. There's still a regular signing day happening in a month and a half. Right. And for you to have all your uh, eggs in a basket today, good for you. Not everyone always needs to take those same steps. You still have a lot of opportunities to get recruited, and that's probably what a lot of kids like. I'm thinking of like Isaac Mahuka uh, from Mililani. He's probably maybe holding out maybe for another offer from a bigger school maybe that will give him more of an NIL. Maybe that's what I can only think. Or he's taking his own step in the process and just saying, hey, I'm just going to take it slow. I don't need to sign today because I still got to focus on my regular school going on. So, because not everyone's enrolling early, like a Micah Alejado. So, right. you still got your regular school life and probably maybe other sports going on as well that you're training for. So. I would think, though, if you're the if you're like a top 20, top 50 <clears throat> recruit or if we're a top team like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, those schools are probably getting most of their players today, I would think. If you're that good... Uh, I don't think you want to wait. Again, I think if if you do wait, you're you're decreasing at times the opportunity, the the amount of options you have because other schools aren't the schools aren't going to wait. If they want you, they want you today, so they can move ahead and go to Plan B if they need to, or definitely cement Plan A by signing whatever player it is. They're gonna they're gonna take not necessarily the first guy they offer, but if guys they've offered are are willing to commit, but, they're probably gonna take them for those schools especially. But it's not up to the team whether or not the recruit. Well, wants sometimes to sign it's sometimes it is. If the, if the guy says, "Yeah, I want to sign here," well, if they offer to him and the player says, "I want to sign," they're gonna sign him. Right. But but I mean the, the school's not going to renege on that. They could. The players could, could but the could. schools the usually play, don't. Schools could. There's a lot of guys with a lot of really good Power Five offers that we have committed. That it's like, oh, how come he didn't go here? Probably because the school pulled their offer. I think I don't know how rare this. I don't think that happens that often. But regardless of that, and I, I know there's something to that, is that again, if you're the schools want to get these guys right away. And I I remember one specific one. Um, I'll mention his name. I, what I recall that Andrew Manley, when he was at high school at Lelehua, there was a uh, Hawaii had offered him. And from what I was told by people very close to the situation is that he had an opportunity and he was waiting for a Pac-12 offer. And it didn't come. And then when he turned around, Coach Mack was the coach. And when he turned back to Hawaii to say, okay, I'm ready to sign here, it was too late. They signed somebody else. So th those situations, I think, do happen. That's why for the players, for some of the players, I think it's kind of critical there. We are just about out of time. We've got the best of ESPN Honolulu coming up at noon today. Josh Pacheco off the bench at 3. We'll have more uh, Easy Post Hawaii Bowl tickets to give out. We'll be doing it again tomorrow at 7 a.m. Kavika Highlands will be one of our guests tomorrow, and Larry Beal as well. Have a great day, everybody. Aloha.